Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Go hunt moose on Harley, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Dying Alive podcast. Uh, this week, we go back and look at uh, some of the Penguins' recent escapades, including their mini win streak, uh, and then the obviously flurry escapade that broke it. Uh, we're going to get into uh, some player performance evaluations, talk a little bit more about the injuries, take a trip around the NHL, and as always, get to your correspondences. It's Dying Alive show. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic Pittsburgh, as per usual, joined by my friends, Pat Damp of Penn's blog. Say hello, Patrick. Hey, guys. What's going on? And Mike Darnay of Pennsburg.com. Say hello, Michael. What's up? Busy day for you, Michael. You just ooh, We're getting Michael like right off of the, the cusp of a very busy day. Very busy day. Long I'm going to apologize work. in advance for anything that, that you might do. It's exciting. I don't know what to expect. I don't. To be do frank. I- do we need an apology in advance more so than usual, though? There's no excusing your behavior, Michael. That's fine. All right, I'm just – see you guys. Um, <laughs> we got to acknowledge, too, that we're recording a show while the Penguins are playing. So for those of you that are in maybe some kind of bizarre schedule um, where you're watching the game later, we'll, we'll avoid any spoilers of that and kind of talk about things as they exist up until Florida. Um, and in doing so – um, although the Penguins, uh, can we start here? Uh, unbelievable winning streak, right? Uh, back-to-back seven goal wins. We didn't get a really a chance to sink our teeth into those all that much. Um, we got uh, two, game, two games in a row featuring a chili goal. Two games in a row with a chili goal. Three out of five games with a chili goal. Um, for those and for the uninitiated, back in the late '80s, if the Penguins scored seven goals at home, you could take your ticket stub, two chilies. Uh, or Wendy's to Chili's. Hi, welcome to Chili's. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it to Wendy's and uh, get a free get a free freaking chili for seven which, gold performance. Which, which in the the prime time of Mary Lemieux that happened, happened really regularly. Yeah, you were eat if you you were eating chili on a regular basis, folks. How ugly were the inside? of Wendy's restaurants in the late eighties. Oh, they had, they had the yellow tables with the, news, Piss the newspapers on yellow. Oh uh, yeah. That was like, like I'm not a, a good time. Like I'm a, good, good job rebranding Wendy's. Yeah. I was say like, I'm, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a 1990 birth year, but like, 
that all held over into like the <laughs> late nineties, early two thousands. So I mean, like they I, went they went from yellow tables with newspapers on them to having fireplaces. Let me just be honest with you though. Real talk, Dave Thomas was elite. Yeah. Elite. A, re- a real one. Dude, hundred percent a real one, no question about it. Back to the hockey. Um, <laughs> although, <laughs> although the Penguins uh, ultimately lost that win streak and and, and uh, you know go back to back losses with Vegas and Florida, any Mike Mike Sullivan I thought was particularly upbeat after both games uh, for a guy who was on the losing end of them and kind of you know was referencing the process and that the score line wasn't reflective of the performance and seemed to say like hey this is going to happen sometimes um almost like a guy who gets the fact that scoring seven goals in back-to-back games isn't indicative of continuing to be able to do that because goals are a trash predictor of future goal scoring so um how do you feel about it though like is that a justified opinion like you look at those two games and the scope of um, you know, the, the seven that came before, do they fit in in games that they could have won? Well, I, yeah, I, mean, I mean, even starting from a different standpoint of, you know, they scored seven in back-to-back games. The win streak was just wholly unexpected just from the standpoint that all the injuries the team has, the, the makeshift lineup, the call-ups – where they are right now as as a roster, you didn't expect them to rattle off five wins. But to to build on what Sullivan said, they're playing, and I hate it, it's a stupid coach-speak term, but they're playing the right way. They were defensively accountable. They were keeping it simple on offense. They were getting shots to the net. They were forechecking well. And that, I think, is more indicative of the team as a whole than, oh, they scored seven against Minnesota and seven against Winnipeg. Those those two games were a product of them playing well in those games, and they carried that over to their games against Colorado and Dallas. Yeah, and I, I, I would even go a step further. The fact that they scored seven against Winnipeg, it's not like you can just say, oh, it's Winnipeg, because five, six days earlier, they lost to Winnipeg 4-1. Their own building. Yeah. So got ran so, out of the got ran out of the building. We got that ran out of the building me, by a team that had five defensemen I've never heard of. Oh my in their first like what was it? I think uh three hundred and fifty man games played in that unit of yeah. six of six. Yeah. And they looked like they were all Nick Lidstrom in yeah. that game. Yeah. That was probably the worst per- I mean you'd have to be hard pressed to not say that was the worst performance. Yeah, so I mean to follow that up with a five game win streak when you score seven twice, nice win against Colorado, it's like yeah, they're playing the right way, but it was good to see them bounce back the way they did. Well, you knock off undefeated Anaheim, you knock off undefeated Colorado in the in the middle of that. Yeah, uh, Vegas is a great. Let's be honest; like they're a good team. Could be a could. I mean, I, I if think you, if you if you called me on the phone, ring ring, hey Jesse, I think Vegas is a cup favorite. Oh, okay, cool. Like I think when we did our Pensburg, I think we did our Pensburg predictions. I think I picked them to go to the final. Um, and that game, like, oh. It was, it, you know, it was the PDO, right? It was that situation where it was like, hey, you were eating pretty well. Um, here's a little dose of uh, a dry spell for you. Yeah, Mark andre Fleury was brilliant, and it, uh, so was the post. Yeah, and, and I, yeah. I, I've said it on this podcast before. There's nights where you just have to tip your cap to the opposing goaltender, and that was absolutely one of those nights. Like, the Penguins did 
absolutely everything right. 29 shots at the net. They controlled possession. They had several grade-A scoring opportunities, and Flurry just had a night. It happens. What about Florida? It's a it's a Florida road trip. Tuesday Tuesday night game. It's I mean <clears throat> every every I feel like it's a common thing now. People are like like losing to the Florida Panthers in Florida is feels like a letdown game for people. But I expect it at this point. Well, and it's the, it's the typical ebb and flow of. Uh, I don't want to say run because we're only 10, 10 games into the season, but it's it's the ebb and flow of a season to where there's a stretch where everything goes in. You know, everything that goes off a Gensel's stick or anybody else on the Penguins, it goes off their stick to the net and goes and goes in. And then another stretch comes where just nothing goes in. Like th- they played fairly well, all things considered, against Florida. The puck just didn't fall. It happens. Yeah, I mean that's that's how it works, you know. Goals are, you know, again, a crappy predictor of things to come because of how volatile goaltending is. They goaltending plays a huge role in goal scoring. Um, and, and and not even to to go on what you were saying, Jesse, uh the like the reason that a lot of people, in my opinion at least, are not as on board as some of us with analytics and hockey is because hockey is inherently the most random sport in the world. There's Mm -hmm. no real way to predict it. There's no real way to quantify things that happen because you look at the way they play in the, they played in the five game win streak, did everything right, scored goals, played well on defense, played well on offense, four checked well, put shots to the net same thing happened against uh, Florida and Vegas, and those two nights, they just didn't get puck luck. Yeah. It happens. What do you think people feel more passionately about? Their excitement and newfound love for Brandon Tanev or their disdain and hatred of Dominic Simone? On the top line of the penguins, what's greater? Spider-Man meme. Ooh, yeah, it is. Mike's calling it a push. The thing that gets on my nerves about you know what really grinds my gears. <laughs> you know, uh, you, hey, okay, you know what, Bob? First time, long time, but I, I got an opinion <laughs> to tell here. <laughs> but but the thing that gets me about the Simone stuff and shout I, out to Bob, by the way. <laughs> King of the King of Pittsburgh sports, man. But, Godfather. But um, what gets me about the Simone stuff, and I, I did a little mini thread on this on Twitter a couple weeks ago about it was Gensel's goal off the faceoff against Winnipeg. Dom Simone does things that, and again, it's another coach speak type of thing, but it applies here. He does things that don't show up on the score sheet. He puts the pucks. He puts the puck in areas where guys like Gensel and Crosby can succeed. Whether it's an open patch of ice, whether it's seeing them down low, whether it's seeing him in a prime opportunity, but he also has tremendous positioning in the offensive zone 
to where it opens space for guys like Crosby and Gensel. So when they do, when he does stuff like that, people don't notice it because it's not an assist, it's not a goal, it's not a hit. So you look at his his basic stat line for goals and assists and points, and people think, oh, you know, he doesn't belong on the top line. He's not putting up points. But you look at what he does to make Gensel and Crosby's game better, and it shows you that's why he belongs on that line. Because one of the ways I described it was he doesn't think the game on the same level as Sid, but on a similar level. He knows where to be to maximize the talent and the skill on his line with Gensel and Sid. Yeah, I feel like this might sound weird, but I feel like to a certain extent when you're playing with two pure goal scorers like Crosby and Jake Ensel have the ability to be, you kind of need a guy who can help things and then get out of the way. <clears throat> who cares who scores the goals? I agree. Care? I don't care. I don't care who scores the goals. There's a lot of literature now that talks about how bad uh, with you, without you stats are when you're looking at it from a three forward grouping perspective only. Because there's not a lot of context to it. You know, who are the other players that they're playing with? Like, who are the guys behind them? Like, what's the defenseman split look like? What's the quality competition look like? You know, there's so many things that we, we don't account for when we use those numbers, right? But, uh, you know, I'm still going to use them. <laughs> because I think <laughs> it, provides, it provides, you know, a level of context to the eye test. And if people want to argue about goals, right, if that's, if that's what the argument is, um, Crosby and Gensel score more with Dominic Simone on their line. And, and realistically, that, that's all you need. There should be no other discussion. Like that, we shouldn't, unless you can find somebody that scores more, but also provides the same bump. And I, that person in this lineup, I don't know that it exists. It doesn't, yeah. and that's what you need. You need it to be. Or analytics aside, that's not analytics. That's basic statistics. When Dom Simone is on the line with Crosby and Gensel, Crosby and Gensel score more goals. Period. Hang on, hang, hang on one second. You just made the best rhyme ever. That's not analytics. That's basic statistics. Like Naming your mixtape, Pat. Say, dropping them, like, dropping a hot sixteen here. In the booth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we, we, we spent our time on Dominic Simone, but we, we do need to give the nod to Brandon Danov. Yeah. I mean, shorthanded I, I, overtime game winner. First time, uh, and only other time and, was Mario. And, and, and let's be honest. He took Kale McCart to task on that goal. It wasn't, a, it wasn't a, that's like, a, yeah. And that's like, it's not a schmuck. Yeah. I mean, like you he, know, got, Mike, he got, you know, he got, a he got the nice. Nice little boost from Landis Cog putting it in his own net, but he he turned a corner on Kale McCarr really well. Yeah, he took he took Kale McCarr for a ride on that goal, and that's not <clears throat> anything to sneeze at. Like that's impressive. Yeah, and, and and I was the biggest complainer about the contract, and I still don't like the term, which just is my entire problem with the contract. I had no problem with the money; it's just the term. I feel like we're going to talk about his contract every episode from now until it expires. <laughs> I'm really wow. trying hard. I'm really trying hard to just like look at this in a vacuum, though. You know, 
somebody said to me on Twitter, they're like, well, I bet you're going to talk about his contract next when I compliment him on something. I'm like, well, you're going to be disappointed today, buddy. So I'm not talking about it. Um, and I, but I was to your point about the goal, though, uh, and, the, and the niceness uh, level of the goal, uh, the Crosby's goal, oh. if that goal doesn't happen in that game, we probably poo-poo Tanev's a little bit more in a good way. That Crosby goal just sucked the, the, the life right out of the Tanev goal. Yeah. <laughs> it stole the spotlight. Put it right on itself. Um, that, to me, is God, I mean, it's, a, it's a no contest for goal of the year so far. Underrated part of that goal isn't the moves he made or anything he did on it. It was the patience with yeah. a guy on oh. his back to just wait out the goaltender. And take you know how people shot. Pat always talk about like uh, great players like Lemieux and his in, you know in his latter years or even in his prime for that matter you know Crosby now you know these players that have the ability to slow the game down right what a perfect example You're that right. goal and the Latang goal against Dallas you, you ever play uh, you ever play the PlayStation Two game Max Payne yeah. They both nah. they both put bullet time on for those goals and just slowed everything down around them to make. Oh, so it's that like goal. a Red Dead Redemption kind of dead eye shot thing. Yeah, yeah, Except same thing. Like same even thing. even slower. It's almost like uh, like Grand Theft Auto meets The Matrix. Okay, that's cool. But yeah, like the, like so, the two uh, <laughs> the two of them. But yeah, like you like especially in Latangle, he he broke two guys' ankles again. Corey Perry or not Corey Perry. Uh, Prayers to you for that, Mike. Thank you. (laughs) I can't remember who the first guy was. Uh, Somebody they just signed. Oh, Joe Pavelski and then Tyler Sagan. And it's like he just – he literally stopped in front of the goaltender just waiting to see what was going to happen and then was like, oh, I'm just going to score. And and we beat the drum last year for Latang for Norris. I'm – I'm mm-hmm. ab- I'm absolutely restarting that campaign this year. It's not going to happen. No, it's it, it's not. And no, it's, not what, it's not going to happen. There's a lot of people until Pierre LeBron want, who unless Pierre LeBron wants it to happen. Your boy's mm. got to vote this year. That's all I'm saying. Just one, right? It's just one, but like Spider-Man and Family Guy said, everybody gets one. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. If we're talking about uber positives, um, you know, we mentioned Brandon Tanev uh, playing really well right now. Patrick Hornquist looks really good. Yeah. Um, I, you know, we, we said that we didn't want to speculate, I think, earlier in the season when we did a show about, uh, you know, there possibly being health issues with him last year in terms of like a nagging injury or two that maybe wouldn't go away. But um, boy, he looks ready to go i mean i mean he's he's the kind of player he's the kind of player that a nagging injury is going to be very clear the way he plays sure it's the motors always it's the same was true for chris kunitz right i mean yeah. i think you know, yeah when, similar, when he was when he was hurt also it, was a very, way. it was very clear that he was playing hurt yeah right and not to mention um, it shows the level of detail and trust that mike sullivan has in his roster because sullivan basically said that Hornquist played so well at the World Championships that he knew Hornquist was going to have a bounce back year, and he has put that trust in him to put him in key situations, and he's delivered thus far. Um, nobody makes friends with the opposition quicker than him. 
No. It's normally within the first 10 minutes of a game, somebody is out there trying to decapitate him and rip his head off. He really is a modern-day Thomas Holmstrom, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a probably that's a hell of a reference, and that's it's it incredibly. Is, but you know spot what on. though? I think I also think he's a better skater. He is, and maybe he seeks out dishing physicality a little bit less. I think he's less. Yeah, he's. I'm gonna say the word. I'm gonna say the word predatory. Although, let me be clear. I don't think Thomas Holmstrom is predatory in that fashion. But he he sought out inflicting punishment more than I think Patrick Hornquist does. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and I think if, when you look at the era that he was in his prime in that was more of a thing than it is now. Yeah. And I think it was, I can't remember what game it was. If I'm recalling this correctly, but he basically had a quote where he said, like, if they're focused on me, that's a good thing. Cause they're not focusing on Crosby or Gensel or Latang. Like it opens mm-hmm. the ice up for those guys because they're focused on what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, we've got to talk about Sam Lafferty. Right. What a surprise! I didn't see this coming. He he looks like he's here to stay. Yeah, he's doing the he's doing the old gets a call up and basically saying <coughs> make. He's basically telling the coach he's daring the coaching staff and management to send him back down. Yeah, I mean, usually for in the Penguins situation, this doesn't happen until December or January. And I mean, I I, I had as much as you can for a guy like Lafferty high hopes for him, but not like to this level. It wasn't a once Lafferty gets up here, look out. It was a, you know, I think, you know, if he gets a shot, he could be a solid NHL player and it's turned into yeah, No, Lafferty is an NHL player. You know, I, I thought what you would see from him would be a more, um, Oscar Sundquist esque, two hundred foot, you know, fundamental approach. I think I've I've personally been shocked with how no nonsense he is in the offensive zone. And a credit to that whole line, right? I mean, when they get in there, they're going north south in a hurry. There's nothing fancy about it. You know, we've all talked in some way, shape, or form in our respective mediums about how that's a driver behind the team probably changing up its game a little bit. You know, I think, unfortunately, the fallout from that educated conversation has been um, is Evgeny Malkin going to hurt the team when he comes back, which is nonsensical insanity to me. Um, but, I mean, I, you know, I, I do think. Yeah, you, in know, the it, you know, is my uh, is my Christmas bonus going to hurt my bank account? I don't know. I don't I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, oh, I, I better not take this bonus because I'm going to have to pay tax on it. Yeah. Got any other bonus any other bonus analogies that we want to get in <laughs> before we move on? Um no, but I mean like honestly I, I do think that their approach has kind of in some way, shape, or form influenced the rest of the lineup. Um and you know, you look at some of the goals they've scored and it's just they get in the zone and they just blast it. You know, they just wind up and blast it and they either score or create some insane rebound opportunity and they're moving so fast. Um, the, you know, defensemen are kind of like unable to slow them down and they don't, if you, you don't, you know, you're not minding your gap, they're, they're on top of you in a hurry. And then, uh, you're scrambling from there. Well, when you think about it this way, when a team is going through a slump or going through a rough patch, 
coaches always say the best remedy is to keep it simple. And that's what that line does. They just plain and simple keep it simple. They get the puck in deep. They go to work. They put pucks to the net. And given the types of players that they are, it's the best thing for them to do. Let's also mention the fact, too, uh, guys, that um, – and I, I think you're crazy um, if you don't think this, and I I know Mike's going to back me up on it. Evgeny Malkin looked really freaking good before he got hurt. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, come on. Like, are we going to forget – I mean, obviously, like, sample size, okay? It's like literally a teardrop in the ocean. But he said all the right things. You know, we know we trained differently in the offseason. He looked great before he got injured. What's not – could you remind me the negative of getting a Con Smythe uh, winner uh, back in your lineup? <laughs> Is that, how oh, does this I, I don't know. I don't know. They're playing the right way, so we better trade him. Well, like last year, I think it was leg- – maybe not legitimate – but at least a, a talk slightly worth having because he was having an off year, a down year, wasn't having his be- wasn't playing his best, and he was trying to do more than he needed he needed or could do at the moment because of the way he was frustrated. But the way he played in the few games he played this year, you could say he found he rediscovered his game. So if you operate under the assumption that when he comes back, he's going to play the same way, it's not going to be that bad having him back. It's going to be a net positive. Yeah. Um, guys, remember? Do you guys, uh, you guys seen Beer Fest? I'm not even. I'm asking you, Pat, because I know Mike hasn't. One of my all-time favorites. Wait, 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 wait. I have. You've seen Beer Fest. I have. This is a pleasant surprise. Well. Um, beer fest. Laura, when you write the notes out for the show, I want you to <laughs> underline. I want you to underline "pleasant surprise" with an um, exclamation point for me. Beer fest came and out. You while, can't see I, me right now, but I'm drawing an exclamation point just in case. Sorry, go beer, ahead. Beer fest came out while I was in college, so the timing of it just slid right in. Gotcha. Do you remember when um, uh, Fink makes that uh, that? bizarre batch of toad stuff you know that the was it the monkey toads <laughs> yeah he has to kill. Uh, there's a scientist in the movie who has a bad genetic experiment and he comes out with these like deformed like monkey toad hybrids that he has to unfortunately put to rest um i love you so ricola but i also feel like he's one of those monkey toad hybrids at right wing <laughs> i mean <laughs> just being uh, I mean, i'm it, just being it, honest with you i don't certainly, like it certainly certainly a world above uh Brooks Orpik playing wing back in the day. Oh my God! It's a it, oh. who? Okay, interesting debate. Who did it better, Yusou Ricola or Ian Moran? Uh, I'll go Ricola personally. Yeah, I got to agree with Mike. Uh, I think part of it is too that it's really easy to hide a fourth line left winger than it is to hide like a third pairing defenseman. So. Putting someone like Yuso Rikula on the fourth line at left wing doesn't really move the needle too far either direction. Yeah. I mean, and that, um, that's one of the things that always, it's always fascinating to me when, and like, I'm not trying to poo poo on people being invested in teams, but when I see people arguing about 13th versus 12th forward, I'm like, 
if you're arguing about the 13th forward, that means your team's probably pretty good. I'd agree with that sentiment. I mean, that's like if you're arguing over the last guy to get into the lineup on your forward group, like things are probably going pretty well. And that's what I mean. Yeah. And to also kind of build on that, you think about it this way. So we're arguing over, like you said, the 13th forward. Well, if he's the 13th forward or the 12th forward, whichever way you spin it, if he's good, that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. If he's bad, all right, whatever. Yeah. Who had the icier stare? You so Ricola or Ian Moran? Ian Moran by a mile. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're agreed. That was a layup. I wanted to give you guys a layup. Um all right, let's let's uh wiggle our way out of oh, by the way, we have to just real quick, because there's nothing better than talking about self owns and um acknowledging when you're wrong. Uh, Jake Gensel's going to toast our over-under projections, isn't he? What did we all say? I feel like under. I said over. Did we all say under? Yeah. You sure? Uh, I had 38. Hang on. I, I'm, let me look. I know I had 38 for sure. Oh, no. Oh. A player is going to overperform what we predicted. How terrible No, I'm for not us. upset about it at all. I, 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 no, I'm not upset about it at all. I'm just, it's a nod to Jake Gensel. That's all. We've got to talk about some of the goals he's scoring are 40 goal scorer goals. Okay, so it was uh, 36 goals. Jesse said over. Okay. I said over. Pat said under. Oh, wow. So Pat's the one that's going to look terrible. Actually, that's great. Actually, now... <laughs> But if I recall, I did say, like, I thought it would be under, but not, like, by a large margin. Like, one, maybe two. Mm, still. Oh, I, I fully, that, own, I fully that, own that I took the I don't, under. I don't, I don't see an asterisk on there. I honestly want to make – just want to make mention I did not call back to this to try to make myself look good. I legitimately thought <laughs> that I went under. I really did think that. I don't remember what the original number was, but I thought I undershot That's, it. In a so big it's way. pretty good when, when you set yourself up for a cell phone and you end up with a pat own. Yeah, it's pretty on brand That's for this podcast. Yeah, it's pretty on brand. Um, Mike, do you want to? I guess I'll I'll mention the fact that you beat my team's ass in fantasy hockey in week one. It was it was, was absolutely it was a slaughter. It was like what fifteen stat categories? I believe it was like twelve wins, one loss, two ties. Something like that. You know what, Mike? I don't remember because we put that behind us. We moved forward as a group. Yeah. <laughs> I, obviously, I, uh, obviously, obviously, you know, it, it's it's one it's one week. It's a long season. I lost. Pro- week. We acknowledge lost there's week. a process at work. I here. lost week two to Jeff. In fairness. Mm. And that's well, J- that's J- J- week that's, two, that's J-E-F-F, correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah. J E F F. Yeah, that's J. Capital J E F F. Yeah, I'm gotta talk about riding high on David Pasternak on my team this year yeah he's a hot that's a that's a hot one so sam that, poland's a hot one uh for the penguins uh and sherbrooke for the phoenix um was riding into this weekend on a real hot streak he had uh, multiple back-to-back i think three in a row two goal performances um a couple empty netters in there but i mean like looked good was controlling the play improved skating um and then this weekend uh he just went absolutely berserk uh, at an eight-point night uh, and a complete blowout um, of Shawnigan, um, 
Uh, first two. eight point game in the queue in a decade, which is crazy yeah, to think about because yeah. Jesse, correct me if I'm wrong, but the queue is known for players just putting up absurd numbers, right? Sure, yeah, it's a running, yeah, it's the running gun league, yeah. Oh yeah, defense in the queue is optional. Optional, yeah. I'll be honest though, guys, that's changing. I think to some small extent, um, it, the it, games like the one that you saw from Poland this weekend have, you know, I think they've. They're, they've been more reasonable. Do you know who's feeling that more than anybody is Nathan Ligari? Um, not the greatest start. And it's just a situation where his team's, I think, overall kind of struggling and the puck's not finding him right now. Sam Poland had like a very short period like that when he came back down, but quickly broke out of it. Saturday, or just not Saturday, Sunday night was just one of those nights, guys, where it was like globetrotter type stuff. You know, like he looked like a behemoth out there. Well, and all those smaller players could keep up with him when they caught him, there was nothing they could do. But it was like a dog catching a car. Like, what are you going to do with it? You know, it's like it's a car. <laughs> well, and let me, let me ask this in regard to that. How much of it do you think is an adjustment period of the player saying like, Hey, I got this taste of what it's like to play at the NHL level. And they kind of put, an expectation on themselves that I got that taste at the NHL level. So now I have to be absolutely dominant. I don't think that was it. Fair. I mean, cause like I, 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 just, I just think I, the puck wasn't. Yeah. And I still, cause like even Legary now that I wouldn't say he's playing poorly, but he is a player that requires the puck, right? Like you have to be able to get him the puck and Saturday night, he just sniped one, one timer, um, down to one knee, guy draped all over him, top corner, far side, bar down. But it was like, where was that? The re- he nobody gave him that feed the rest of the game. You know, and it just he happened. He was in the slot in the power play. It was the obvious go to bang bang. Um, but even like for Poland, I think even early on, it was just like you kind of felt like the, the game just wasn't finding them. It wasn't for you know a lack of effort. Um, and I have to mention that as the game because it was fairly close for a period of time. Um, I think the final was nine, four, um, but there was like a three, two period, a three, one period maybe where, um, Shawnigan was actually, um, in it and, and competitive as the tide began to shift, uh, Samuel Poland put the finishing touch on it, um, by just absolutely clobbering somebody in the neutral zone, uh, had their head down the whole way, you know, accepted the pass, took about three or four pumps, never picked their head up and he rolled through them like a freight train. And then obviously, you know, the guy standing there is like, well, I got to take Sam Poland to task. And it's like, all right. And then he does. And Sam Poland just, it was like watching somebody play whack-a-mole. It was just like, conk, <laughs> conk, conk. you know, so not only does he just clean hit level some of the neutral zone, you know, he tries to keep the play going. No, he has to answer the bill. He just absolutely decimates somebody in the process. So, and then the, the, from that point on, the game was just a complete disaster. <laughs> and that's what really set it uh, down a bad path. So looking good, man. I mean, like I said, before, even before that, I mean, he kept up his streak of scoring two goals a game. Um, so, you know, now he's um, cruising along pretty nicely. It's, just, it's, just always, gotta, it's always good when the, the high-end – draft picks who have the quote-unquote pedigree look like the future 
Mm-hmm. Well, he and, and let's be honest, he should be doing this. Yeah, you know, a player with his skill and experience. You know, yeah, that's his, what I mean. It, this it's, year, it's concerning when you have a high draft pick who goes back to juniors and they're just like is not doing it. Yeah, yeah, they're chugging yeah, along. It reminds me of uh, oh, who was the one Lawson Krause? Everybody knew. Oh, right yeah. away. everybody knew right away. It's like this guy isn't scoring when he's overage back in the queue, how's he going to score in the NHL? Yeah. Right. Um, you want to take a dip around the national hockey league real quick. Oh yeah. Cause the one I wanted to ask was, is what the Edmonton Oilers are doing right now? Is it sustainable? No. Let's add a, let's add a, a wrinkle to this question. Patrick is what Connor McDavid himself doing sustainable. Because I think what you answer that question. I don't think. By the way, by the way speak, the speaking question. about goals of the year, I know I think it was Justin Braun that he torched, which is not a tough task. But when he's he torching me, I, was I, mean, but, I mean, he had like a 15 foot head start on him, and he just blew past him on that long drop in pass from his own end. But I, I, I don't think it's sustainable because they've they've one mind doing everything. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say it's not sustainable from the standpoint of that it's McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Neal doing all of the work. But as for Connor McDavid, I don't think it's sustainable to the, what was it, 192-point pace he's on. <clears throat> I mean, they're they're an injury or a dry spell of scoring away from being a very bad team standing-wise. Right, like it's basically like you look at their analytics and like when – McDavid, Dreisaitl, Neal are on the ice. They are one of the best teams in hockey. And then as soon as McDavid, Dreisaitl, and Neal are off the ice, they're one of the worst. So I don't think it's obviously not sustainable for the team as a whole, but I think for Connor McDavid, 100 points is a foregone conclusion. Um, what's stinkier? What's going on in New Jersey? Or what's going on in the New York Rangers? Um, I think they both stink in different ways. I thought the Devils were going to be good. N- not like division leading good, but I thought they were a wild card team. But I don't know. Is it John Hines? I don't know what it is. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, the Rangers, when your number two overall draft pick is getting minimal ice time compared to guys who stink, that's bad. And let me tell you what's really bad. If you listen to what Quinn is saying over there, he's trying to deprogram Capo Caco. Oh yeah, he's he, he's, just, trying look, to, he's trying to he's trying to square dumb. a circle. Just let him fly. Yeah, that's just so dumb, dude. You cannot Well, I don't remember what the verbatim quote was, but he was like he has to learn that some of the stuff he used to do is not going to fly over here. And, and that's like, yeah, man. Stop freaking correct, scoring so many freaking points. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that's like David Quinn seems like the very opposite of that, or seemed like that when he was hired. Well, yeah, because his his first uh, quote about Kako, like his first notable quote about Kako, was was spot on, where he basically was saying like, "There's going to be nights he's great, and there's going to be nights where he isn't great. We need to focus more on the nights he is great," which initially says to everybody okay, they're going to let him play the game that made him the second overall pick. And now, by the way, 
he's coaching the team and running the lineup. He's absolutely not doing that. We have uh, long been um, advocates, not advocates. That sounds bad. I think we all in some way, shape or form have voiced our skepticism of Mike Babcock as a head coach. And that is uh, something that's becoming very popular. Mm -hmm. Now, what I'm what I'm wondering is do the injuries that they have right now buy him more time from the hot seat? So the sources coming out of Toronto tonight seem to be indicating. Yeah, like, I mean, it reminds me of, um, there's another fucking, I can't remember. But can we stop for a minute, though? And I know know that um, this is going to sound like a real, like, jerk thing to say, but I know the Maple Leafs don't have a Sidney Crosby. I do do want to make a point, though, and I know that I've been somebody on this podcast who has been somebody who thinks Babcock is wholly overrated as a coach, but I was reading Friedman's 31 Thoughts today, and he brought up a stat that I think actually works pretty well in Babcock's favor. Like, he basically has said that the Austin Matthews, the Mitch Marners, the William Nylanders of the Toronto Maple Leafs need to earn their ice time. But he brought up, Friedman brought up the fact that as of Wednesday, Matthews had taken 17 defensive zone draws and only won 29% of them. Mm. To where on the other side of it, Freddie Gauthier has taken 66 and Nick Shore has taken 62 and both of them are over 60%. So, you know, if there's something that can be said for the guys like Gino and Sid, they win their draws wherever they are on the ice. And if you're Austin, if Austin Matthews isn't a reliable center in the defensive zone, you're not putting him out there for that. Yeah, like I get that people are going to be apoplectic about him putting those guys out there over Matthews, but at that point, you got to got to play the, play the odds especially since they're in the Atlantic Division which is absolutely stacked like you cannot give points away in the athletic in the athletic the Atlantic <laughs> Division the Atlantic Division thank you thank you Patrick but you can't uh. you can't give points away in that division so if you're in a tight game against Tampa Boston and it's 2-1 2-2 1-1 whatever and Matthews isn't winning 20% of his D zone draws. I'm not trusting him for that. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, looking ahead, by the time you all listen to the show, the Penguins will have played the Lightning. So we'll get to that the next time we have a show. Um, we'll have a rematch against Dallas Stars. Um, I'm kind of looking at my chops at that one. I'm not going to lie. Dallas' <laughs> issues right now make that sort of like a tasty Saturday night endeavor. Yeah, who would have um, thought signing, yeah, it, who it's, thought it's, signing two, over a, two older forwards to a team that isn't all that great on defense wouldn't have solved the, all of their woes? What, what makes me laugh about Dallas is, you know, you know how there's like, you follow a few people who are fans of a team, but not a ton of them? There's like yeah. a, f- a few Dallas Stars fans I follow, writers I follow, but I don't follow them enough to know what's going on with the stars, but I follow a few of them so I can really get the sense when things are going badly. Yeah. 
Um, and then got a date with the Flyers Tuesday, um, first one of the year. Oh, buddy. With that being said, drop the beats. All right, I'm going to stir the drink, and I'm actually going to uh, – I'm in the giving mood. I'm going to pass, pass the first correspondence off to Patrick. So I got Happy a, Canadian Thanksgiving. <laughs> so I got a uh, last-minute correspondence I think will build pretty well on our discussion of the pens here. I have not seen this yet, so I'm curious. Uh, Chris Kraft asks, is the emergence of Lafferty enough to make up for the disappointment that has been Dominic Cahoon? Man, that's not something that gets discussed enough because I think Cahoon's been a bit of a bummer, guys. Yeah, I, I have a correspondence about that, but that's a very good point. Yeah, I mean, the Lafferty part into it. And I mean, full disclosure, we, we I can't remember who it was. I'm sure you'll mention us on Twitter. But we roasted somebody right at the end of the preseason about them saying Cahoon was a disappointment. But shouts to yeah, them. They, I, they, were, they I, were spot on. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like a dick now. We didn't read their name because it was so bad. Yeah. But now I kind of wish we maybe need to go back and dig that up and I, send I, that person when, a Starbucks finish, gift card when, or something. When we finish this, I'm going to watch the Billy Madison clip again, except it's going to be directed at <laughs> myself. Excuse me. Yeah, it's going to be directed towards us because we, yeah. we were like, what are you talking about? He's going to be fine. And we're uh, wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Yeah. Now, now we're the dinguses. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see what we got here. We kind of already discussed this, but Michael Swanson asks, when does the floor fall out for Edmonton? It, it, impossible to predict, really. Yeah. I mean, if... if I, I feel like it happens, but it's hard to say when. It, it's definitely in the cards. I mean, like, when you're a absolutely one-line team, if any of those three go dry, it's that's bad news. Uh, Penguin Pete asks, what is the most underrated hockey movie? Oh, Mystery Alaska by a mile. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. One hundred percent agree. It doesn't. It doesn't get the props it deserves. Uh, Matt Schaefer asks, "Do you think all the injuries this year are just bad luck, or a product of the way the team plays and trains?" Timeout. I actually just thought of something else I wanted to discuss. Forgot to mention it earlier. How about Mike Sullivan's anecdote and uh, metaphor about morning skates? How about the ham. Yeah. Oh yeah. my God. Let me let me look that up so I can read it. I know exactly yeah. who had the quote. That was that was one of the most perfect things I have ever read. Yeah. So basically, what he said was, um, you know, people. You know, Mike Sullivan obviously is not a fan of the morning skate, um, and and is, is you know not been a fan of the morning skate for some time. And um, he said, you know, people get upset about it because it's something that, you know, quote unquote, you've always done. Right. It's one of those things you just have always done it that way. I have the full quote. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's like, why does the whole league have have morning skates? It reminds me of why my mother cut the hams off before she uh, cut the sides of the hams off before she cooked them. And I asked her, why do you cut the side of the ham off? She said, because that's how my mother taught me. So I asked my grandmother, I said, why do you cut the sides of hams off before you put them in the oven? She said, well, that's easy. I didn't have a pan that was big enough. So that's my analogy of morning skates. 
Yeah, and, and if you think about it, there's probably a lot of things we all do every day because our parents did it that way and their parents did it that way. And, and he's right. Like, if you don't think there's anything for you to gain by making your players get up in the morning to come skate and have a little practice, then why do it? Well, and mm-hmm. it's it's been said over and over and over again about morning skates. It, it's a product of the NHL in the 60s and 70s when these guys weren't actually professional athletes. They were out the night before getting all boozed up. They were smoking cigarettes in the locker room in between periods. So the morning skate was literally to work hangovers off for guys who went yeah. out the night before and got all boozed up. Uh, Brad Smith asks... Oh, so we didn't really answer the question. Um, injuries, bad luck, product of the way they train. I mean, let's call it as it is. They tore down a hospital to build this arena. <laughs> and it's like, I'm telling you guys, it's like there's got to be a church cemetery underneath the grounds of the arena. I'm sorry. Do you think, do you think we could get a tour? Of what? Of the church? <laughs> of the cemetery. <laughs> No, 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 Mike. What I'm saying is the cemetery is underground. The bodies are there. The arena is just on top of them. Oh, like well, you know, it's like a poltergeist this, type this situation. I'm, I'm what I'm saying is, I don't even know what denomination that church is, but we got to roll down there for a mass, bro. We got to go to a mass at the I church. I don't go to church, but I would be willing to do it in this case. We got to go. Yeah, we should get dying alive field trip. Should, we, we should do a dying alive show live from outside of the church. We should shut her down, people. then we go should, to mass. We should charge people like ten dollars to go to church with us. Uh, I'm gonna not do that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the money making uh, business. All right, Mike. <laughs> um, go ahead with it. Continue. Uh, sorry. Kelly McAndrews asks, if the Seattle expansion draft happened right now, who is most likely to get picked from the Penguins? See, I, I want to say Jack Johnson, but you look at the front office that Ron Francis is building there, they wouldn't touch him with a 50-foot pole. Yeah, probably Brian Rust. Yeah, agreed. All right. Uh, Michael asks, which is better, Fulton Reed slap shot or Russ Tyler's knuckle puck? Oh, yo! Listen, easy answer here, guys. Easy answer. Anyone can shoot a freaking knuckle puck. Okay, you can't line them up and rip them like yeah. Fulton Reed can. You I'm can't sorry, bre- you can't break windows. What do you do? Oh, I set the puck on edge and then I shot it like <laughs> big freaking whoop, bro. Yeah, but a, a knuckle puck is hard to be accurate, but it drives goalies crazy. You know what else drives goalies crazy? Jake 112 mile per hour slappers <laughs> right up past their ear hole. Oh, he's going to have the imprint of a puck in his palm. Uh, Harrison Baldwin has a question for Jesse. When are you going to do a video breakdown of the U.S. men's national soccer team? Um, listen, buddy. Listen, <laughs> I'll do it. But you want to write a check for $1,000, okay? And I'll give you my address. DM me. You pay me a cool 1000 but I don't want to watch the U.S. men's national soccer team. I, guess, I hate everything about their existence right now. Everything guess, about it. So I guess you're in the money making business too. I have I have shut the U.S. <laughs> men's a good point, I, Mike. <laughs> I, I have shut the U.S. men's national team so far out of my brain 
that when that question was asked, I subconsciously heard women's national team, and I was like, oh, Jesse needs the money to get the copyright for it. <laughs> uh, Nick Beckel asks, what's your favorite Yinzer stereotype you embrace? Oh, I have a great one for this. Go ahead. Do you remember the uh, tweet from, I think the handle is at Crying Baseball? Yes. Where yes, she I was do. like, People from Pittsburgh dress like they're going to get lost and need to remind people they're from Pittsburgh. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, like they're terrified that other people are going to see them and not know that they're from Pittsburgh. Yeah, it's like when you're at the airport and you see four guys wearing Steelers polo shirts, even though it's like March. Yeah, like I listen. Like I have I'm staring so many... at like this. I'm staring at like this wall board of photos that my wife has up. There are uh, ten photos on it, and. In five of them, so approximately 50%, I'm wearing some kind of hat that would indicate that I am from Pittsburgh. It's important. Uh, Nick also asks, what's another Yinzer stereotype you don't embrace? I personally am beyond tired of, like, Monday Night Football showing steel mills dumping hot steel. Yeah, that's a good one, like, because it hasn't been that way for decades uh, There's like I, so many other things they could show. I also I I'm so against the and I know it's not unique to Pittsburgh, but just the general hot takery of everything that happens with every team, where it's like, oh, it didn't go our way on this game, so everybody's got to go. Yeah, that's just I think that's more state of current everything. I mean, I just like French fries to be by themselves. It's fair. <laughs> That's a that like like uh, Emmy Award or Grammy Award winning artist Carlos Santana and Rob Thomas once said, "That's a hot one." <laughs> uh, Brad Smith asks, "What's the best donut or bakery in Pittsburgh?" Oakmont. <sighs> it's Oakmont. No question. It's, over, it's, it's yeah. overpriced though. But you know what you're getting. I'll pay that price. Can I can I give two answers? Is it cheating to go like straight donut and then like? No, no. Actually, um, I I put them together. He asked two questions, basically donut and then bakery. Because donut is max hands down. Where's that at? Beaver County. Never had it. Several. There's several max donuts in Beaver County. What's your favorite kind of donut from there? Boston cream. Oh, it's a good choice. If we're talking bakeries, um, when I die. I want you to put a burnt almond tort from Prantles in my yeah. coffee. Have you had Have you had the uh, Prantles burnt almond tort beer yet? I have not. I hear good things about it, but I haven't had it yet either. I wonder if it tastes like a burnt almond tort. Well, I believe Prantles had a hand in helping them make it, so I would guess it sounds does. like a yes. Yeah, I have. I, I mean, it's it, it's so cliche because it's not to Pittsburgh, but a Krispy Kreme donut right out of the. Oh, the oven is so good. Uh, oh, yeah, I agree. Agree. Uh, <clears throat> I mean, when Krispy Kreme was booming around here, you'd drive by and see the light on that they had fresh donuts. Oh, it was the best. All bets were off. Uh, Jeff asks, this is an interesting question. What should the Pittsburgh area be doing better to encourage the growth of ice hockey? I, as someone that's coaching it now, and I hate that I've said that, but... 
I don't think there's a lot more they could be doing realistically because yeah, I was going to, I was going to, I was even going to say, I don't know if there's anything they really need to do because I, I will always mandate. I think that there's things that we could do to make the game more a accessible and b affordable. Yeah, that's especially one. especially to people from like non traditional backgrounds. The, the latter is the latter is what I was going to mention. I was going to say I feel like I see more kids playing soccer and hockey than football because of the concussion stuff and that growing to be a bigger thing. Um, but it becomes an issue based on income. Well, that's what I was also going to get to. Like. there needs to be a way to make it more affordable, but they've also made steps in that with the little penguins with Crosby's program, where at a starting age, they give them full equipment, which it's tough because at the young age, like it's not as expensive because the equipment is smaller and easier to afford. And then they, if they really like it, they're good at it. They grow up, they got to get bigger equipment, which is more expensive. But overall, like that's a great way to give people an entry point into the sport because people look at it and know how expensive it is. And they're giving you an entry point where it's not expensive. Yeah. Yeah. And even, even aside from ice, the penguins have done a good job. I mean, if you look at how many, like community deck rinks they've helped build stuff like that. I think, I I don't think there's anything that any one entity could be doing more than they are. Yeah. It's a, it's a systemic problem. It needs to become less expensive. That's the biggest thing. I I mean, you know, as well as I do, ice time is so expensive. Yeah. And just because there's so few rinks, I mean, I, I have. I don't even know if I would say there's so few rinks because even in the Crosby in the Crosby Malkin era, <clears throat> rinks and popularity of the sport have popped up. Yeah, there's just there's just so much demand to fill those rinks. Like, I mean, how many friends do you have who play men's league games? They have to play at eleven o'clock on a Monday night to be able to play. What else we got? Um, chiming in on previous point, big sweet Billy. Uh, actually, what a name! Holy, he's got two. Jesus. Um, actually, he's got three questions. Good God! One, does Rico? Why does big sweet Billy get three? Because says he's three three words in his name. There you he, go. All right, I was go ahead. he's big, he's sweet, and he's Billy. <laughs> does Rico get a shot over Gibranson and Johnson? No. Nope. Um, does being burned alive or drowning seem like a worse way to die? Burned alive, bro. <laughs> yeah, burned. <laughs> and third, we touched on this a little. When do you guys think Cahoon is going to show up? <sighs> Better be soon. Well, and, and we I know we talked about this a little bit ago, but it, it's not like, like we talked about the Dominic Simone thing where there's chances and he's adding something. I don't see Cahoon doing anything. No, he's been invisible. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> Meta asks, is it already time to start the Crosby for Selkie 2020 campaign? Yes. Yes, and it's also time to fire up the Latang for Norris campaign, as I said. Uh, Crosby for Selkie is more important to me. And I think he was closer to it last year than previously yeah uh b beckle asks if you had to pick between we got three choices here oh boy jack jack johnson play defense in a playoff game 
Claude Giroux winning a Stanley Cup or player safety making an announcement that concussions are good for the game? Which Claude Giroux winning the Cup because it, that, that, it doesn't have to be with Philadelphia. You yeah. could win it somewhere else. Yeah, I also think that player safety probably will make an announcement that concussions are good for the game soon. They've Just, done everything but. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, BZ plays for the Flyers, I really like Claude Giroux as a hockey player. He's a great player. Um, and last one is from Laura. First was asking for a handwriting sample, which I have failed to do because I'm a lazy piece of shit. Um, I saw Pat did it the other day, which part of the reason I haven't done it yet is because I know I'm going to fail miserably. <laughs> I, I talk I shit, and I know I'm going to lose. Um, second, what's your favorite non-Penguin sport memory slash moment? Can I go personal on this? Yeah. So the team I'm coaching this year, the Allegheny Badgers, uh, I played for for 12 years. And all 12 of those years, the core of our team, about 10 or 12 of us, remained largely the same. Like we played from the time we were five, six years old until we were 18. And 2007 we won the state championship, which was pretty fun, pretty great. But we had a lot of guys on the team who jumped ship the next year and went to other teams and blah, blah, blah. The majority stayed on, stayed on. We had a rough 2008, came back, won our league playoff, won the state championship, won the regular season as a group. And for us, that was like, the pinnacle of it because there was no realistic expectation for us to do that and we still somehow pulled it off and it was the last season I ever had my dad as a coach and it was just like that going out on top feeling that was just like you you, it's hard to describe it how incredible it felt Mm -hmm. it's pretty good Jesse um Steelers, Seahawks, Super Bowl. <clears throat> Were you there? No. <laughs> no, it was just the first one. It was just the first one they'd won in my lifetime. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually going to invoke moment from the same year. I was in Denver with my dad and family from Colorado for the AFC Championship game in Denver. Oh, that, that rules. Now, yeah. the, fun, the funnier part of it, um, and this came like several years. So that was... January 2006. This came several years before the stunned pictures became a thing of the internet. Um, There was a guy sitting behind us. So my cousin from Colorado got us tickets from, he he lives in Denver. So he got us tickets sitting in a row. There were six or seven of us. We flew to Colorado, went to the game. There was a guy sitting behind us, um, Denver fan, Halftime in that game, I want to say it was like 24 to 3. He sat sitting in his seat with his hands on his chin for the entire halftime and barely moved for the second half. Um, My dad took a picture of him sitting like that, and it's one of my favorite pictures I've ever seen. I've posted it a few times. Um, I'll have to dig it up and send it to you guys so you can see it. That's real good. But, yeah, that whole – the whole and not even just that game, but the whole thing. Like we knew going into the Indianapolis game the week before that if they won, <clears throat> we were going to Denver. 
and then you have the Bettis fumble and the oh. Mike Vanderjack miss, and it's like, I'm going to Denver. Oh, wait, no, I'm not. And then, oh, yes, I am. So then we went to Denver, and it was like a two-day trip whirlwind, see an AFC championship game win. I think other than seeing a Super Bowl win live, I don't think I could see a better game, not just from winning the game, but the way they completely kicked the shit out of Denver in that game. Yeah, that game was not close. Yeah, that was fun. I think that's all I have. All right. Well, as always, we thank you all for joining us. Stay tuned for some news. Stay tuned. Stay tuned for some news. It's Dying Alive. Uh, Thanks on behalf of uh, Mike, Pat, uh, Jesse from the Athletic Pittsburgh, uh, all of us signing off. Uh, We will see you next week. See you. See you.